song, when we all get to heaven, we sing about the joy we have in Jesus and the assurance we have. We're going to sing it called, when we all get to heaven. Good morning, Brinesburg. It is good to see you on this Sunday morning. I hope you've had a great week, and we're excited about the opportunity once again this morning to worship our risen Savior, Jesus Christ. That's why we're here. That is the purpose behind why we have gathered, to give him the honor and the glory that he is deserving of today. For those of you that are joining us through television or through Facebook Live, we want to welcome you this morning. I'm Brother Brad Walker. I'm the pastor here at Brinesburg Baptist Church. We're glad to have you with us today. For those of you on Facebook Live uh, this morning, if you let us know that you're there through the comments section, uh, just put your name there, and uh, we'd love to know that you're with us. Or if you have any prayer requests, any needs that you might have, uh, let us know that in that comment section as well so that we can minister to you through prayer today. Again, a lot going on. I hope that you've looked at your bulletin and you see all those things that pertain to you as we're launching into all of our summer ministry and missions opportunities. And so you'll notice a lot of things going on even today, uh, one of which is our mission marshal uh, meeting is going to be at 7 o'clock tonight right after our evening worship service. And so if you have signed up or if you have not signed up and you want to be a part of that week, uh, we invite you to be with us tonight. We're going to kind of go over the different teams and the different jobs that we're going to be doing uh, during that week. And uh, we can use some more help if you have uh, kind of been thinking about whether or not you wanted to be a part of that. We do have several different projects that we're going to be trying to get done during the week, and we certainly would love for you to help us. Um, if you're a lady and you're thinking, well, I don't know that I can do construction, 
Uh, we are going to need a food team uh, to help with breakfasts and lunches, and so maybe you'd like to be a part of that for the week and, and be plugged in in that way. Uh, we certainly could use help in that area as well. So a lot of different opportunities for you to be uh, of service in that mission and in that ministry uh, in June. Also want to remind you that our, uh, our CSA, our Children's Summer Activities, is going to be starting this Wednesday night. And so at 6 o'clock, if you are a child, a youth, a parent of a child or a youth, uh, we're all going to be meeting at Blues uh, on, on Wednesday night. That'll be at 6 and uh, having a good time of fellowship together there. Uh, also on Wednesday night, 6 o'clock, we'll be meeting here uh, for those teams that are wanting to go out for Go Forth. And so uh, make, make note of that on Wednesday night as well. Also very excited tonight. Our summer Sunday night uh, opportunity for our children is going to be uh, The Greatest Journey. And of course, uh, we're very familiar with Operation Christmas Child. And this is going to be an opportunity for our kids right here in Brinesburg uh, to go through the same discipleship program that those children throughout the world get to go through uh, through Operation Christmas Child. And so this is the curriculum, this is the Bible study uh, that they do throughout the world as they deliver these boxes. The, the reason that we, they, we put these boxes together is to deliver this curriculum to those children and to give them an opportunity to know of Jesus' love and how he has a plan and a purpose for their lives. That's what's going to be going on here on Sunday nights for the next 12 weeks for our kids. And so uh, if you have a child, if you have a grandchild, if you have kids that you've been picking up and bringing so they could be a part of Sunday nights, uh, mission stuff, this is what we're going to be doing throughout the summer. So uh, make sure that you continue to encourage them to be here. And so tonight will be the big kickoff, and I know they have a lot of special things planned. And so that will, again, be during the service time at 6. Also, um, we have been uh, encouraging you to pick up Vacation Bible School uh, cards if you'd like to invite somebody, if that's a family member, friend, neighbor, somebody you've been trying to get their kids to come, uh, make sure you grab those. There's still a few out uh, in the foyer on the table and a great opportunity for you to invite folks uh, as that's com coming up in about a month and certainly continue to pray, earnestly pray on a daily basis for our teachers uh, for our leaders that will be leading the kids around and part of different uh, rotation groups. Uh, but also pray very specifically for the children. This is always a week where the Lord moves on the hearts of kids. They have an opportunity that week to have the gospel very clearly explained to them on a daily basis. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, every single day, they will have a very direct gospel conversation. Uh, and they'll have an opportunity to talk to somebody one-on-one -on -one if they have questions. Uh, they can talk to me. There's going to be teachers that will be there that they can talk to. So we always have kids that are saved during that week. And so what a wonderful, wonderful week that is. And so that's why we want to pray so earnestly for God to move during that week because we know that it's uh, one of those evangelism uh, opportunities that we uh, so cherish. And so continue to pray for those opportunities coming up in June. A lot of other things going on, so make sure that you read your bulletin and you see those things that pertain to you and your family. Again, we have uh, many things going on uh, that we need to pray about, many names in our bulletin, and we certainly want to uh, remember each of those. We've got some folks that have had loved ones who have passed away this week, and we want to pray uh, the Lord would comfort those families, um, these that are going through physical ailments, certainly pray for them. But most importantly, praying for the lost, praying for your one. Who is your one? And the question comes is, when's the last time that you tried to share the gospel with your one? When's the last time uh, you invited them to come uh, to a service with you? Uh, let's make those efforts even more right now during the summer, uh, more opportunities, different things going on. Uh, use that as an opportunity to invite folks. This morning in Sunday school, we were continuing to talk about the, 
the coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and it could be any day. Do we truly believe that? If so, we will be earnestly trying to share the gospel with those around us. And so with that in mind, let's go to the Lord in prayer together this morning. Lord, Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for the way that you move and, and work in our hearts and in our lives. Thank you for the opportunity that you give us on a Sunday morning to come and to worship together. Lord, to lift up our voices, to spend time in prayer, to know you hear us, to open up your word and to know you're going to teach us. And so today, Lord, we've mentioned a lot of different ministry opportunities. And we pray that you would move and, and prepare hearts. And Lord, that we would see great harvest as we come to these times together, Lord. That as we go to someone's house and we do some repairs, that Lord, there would be a gospel opportunity there. Lord, that as we go through Vacation Bible School, that there would be gospel opportunities there. Lord, that as we have gospel, gospel conversations and, and conversations with, with folks just kind of in a uh, natural way at the, at the gas station or the grocery store or the restaurant, Lord, we would see that you would move and work and that we would see a great harvest in the days to come. Lord, you know the need on every heart this morning, those folks that are here, and maybe they don't even recognize why they're here. They think, well, you know, I just I showed up this morning because the rest of the family was coming. But I pray that you would make it very clear to them right now that they are here by divine appointment. Lord, they are here because you want to speak into their hearts and into their lives today. Lord, you want to do a work inside of them that will change not just this life, but their eternity. Lord, I thank you for the way that you move. I thank you for the way you work. I thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit himself that comes and does a work that no man could do. And Lord, we pray for that to take place again today to your honor and glory. Lord, we love you. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There is
God's people said amen. Amen. As we come to the beginning of our service time together, we recognize there are many needs on many hearts. We want to give you the opportunity this morning to come to this altar and spend some time just between you and the Lord in prayer. Uh, laying down whatever burden, whatever hurt may be on your heart this morning and just being able to hear clearly what the Lord wants to speak into your life today. And so whatever the need may be, uh, whether you're here or at home there uh, in, in front of your couch or that chair, uh, make that an altar. Make that a place where you can meet with the Lord today. And so with every head bowed and with all eyes closed, the altar is open today. Come, let's spend some time in prayer together. Heavenly Father, as we come before you today, we recognize there are many hurts on many hearts today, many concerns over the situations and the trials of life. And Lord, as we come, sometimes those things can distract us from hearing from you and from hearing the encouraging message that you desire for us to hear and being reminded that you're in control, you're in charge, Lord, that we can trust you. And so, Lord, this morning we lay all that down. We lay it down at the foot of the cross, and Lord, we leave it there. We trust you with it. And Lord, I pray that you would encourage the individual who is here this morning who is struggling with a relationship that's broken, and they're wondering how it can ever be put back together again. Lord, I pray for the individual who has received the, the difficult diagnosis from the doctor this week. Lord, I pray for the one who is wondering how they're ever going to be able to reach that loved one who seems so antagonistic towards the gospel. Lord, I pray that you would just show yourself so real and so powerful in each and every one of their lives today. Lord, I, I thank you for the fact that we can come before you. And Lord, that as we come before you, Lord, you know before we come that, Lord, because we are your children, you desire to hear from us. And so, Lord, as we go through this time of worship, as we continue to sing, as we pray, as we study your Lord, I pray that today as we leave this place, we would truly realize that we have met with you, Lord, that we would be changed, and Lord, that you would be glorified. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our Sunday school lesson today remind us he is coming back. So let's stand together as we remind ourselves. Days of Elijah as we sing together.
Amen. Thank you, Dee, for that special music. What a blessing it's been today uh, to be able to worship together and to watch how the Lord has moved and worked in our midst today. And this morning, if you will, turn with me in your Bibles. You're going to be in two different spots today. Uh, first, turn to Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12. And that's where we'll be first. But then you're going to need to be ready also to go over there to 1 Kings chapter 10. 
and I misspoke on the children's uh, kickoff. That's next week for, uh, for our children's activities on Sunday night. That is next week for The Greatest Journey. That class will uh, have its big kickoff uh, next weekend, so remember that. As we're turning there to Matthew chapter 12, let's go to Lord in prayer together. Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you yet again for the opportunity to come into your presence and to know that you're going to teach us. Lord, you're going to show us something new today. Lord, you're going to share with us something that we need to hear, something to encourage us, maybe something to correct uh, a misstep in our walk, Lord. Uh, we're just so thankful for your word. And Lord, I know there are many here today who have very specific hurts and needs, and Lord, I pray for you to speak directly into their hearts and lives. Lord, I know there's some here today that are here by divine appointment because they're lost and you desire to have a relationship with them. And so speak into their hearts and into their lives today. Convict them of sin. Help them to recognize that church attendance doesn't save, that only a relationship with you will. And Lord, I know that I'm a very weak vessel and I pray that you might hide me behind the cross that only you'd be seen and only you'd be heard. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please stand with me in honor of the reading of God's Word. Let's look together here at Matthew chapter 12, beginning in verse 38. Matthew 12, beginning in verse 38. Then certain of the scribes and of the Pharisees answered, saying, Master, we would see a sign from thee. But he answered and he said unto them, An evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall be no sign given to it but the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh shall rise in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And behold, a greater than Jonah is here. The queen of the south shall rise up in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it for she came from the uttermost part of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, a greater than Solomon is here. You may be seated. I am not the best at math, okay? Uh, you can ask anybody. I am not the absolute best at math. Uh, but whenever we got into math, and you had that little greater than symbol, you know. I learned it because the alligator always eats what's greater than. Anybody else learn it that way? The alligator eats what's greater than. I could get that. I could get that. And so on that test, you know, if it was the number 15 and the number 9, I knew that if 15 was over here, the alligator needed to eat the bigger number, right? And so, you know, of course, you get into the bigger equations and you've got to figure out which equation is bigger than that equation. That part I didn't like as much as the alligator just eating the bigger number. But uh, I did kind of get that concept of the greater than. And in this text, what we are shown is that Jesus is greater than. What's he greater than? Put anything over here and Jesus over here and Jesus is greater than, right? He is greater than. And throughout Scripture... Jesus made some amazing statements about himself. And these statements, if made by any other man, would have been blasphemous statements. 
Because the only way you can make the statements that Jesus made was be the, would be to be the very Son of God. Amen? Otherwise, you can't say these things. You say, well, Brother Brad, what are you, what are you saying? Well, look at John chapter 8, verse 58. Before Abraham was, I am. Do you understand what he was saying there? He said, I am Yahweh. I'm the God of the Old Testament. I'm the one that, that, that created all. That's who I am. Before Abraham was, I am. And then in John chapter 10, verse 30, I and the Father are one. Now, to declare that means that you're saying that you are God in the flesh. John chapter 14, verse 9, he that has seen me has seen the Father. He's saying, look at me. I am God. When you see me, you have seen God face to face because that's who I am. In John 14, 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. He's declaring to be the only way of salvation. And then we see in John 6, 35, he says, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. These are some pretty plain statements. Jesus is plainly declaring that he is the very son of God. But his enemies were not content to take him at his word. They weren't content with his statements of declaring who he was. In this text, what we see here is they are demanding a sign. They didn't want to listen to a single word that Jesus said. What they wanted was for him to perform some miracle that they thought would prove to them that he was Messiah. Never, you know, never mind all the things that, that Jesus had already done. All the signs and wonders to point to who he was. They wanted some greater sign. And so his response to them is clear. They're to receive no sign, he says, but the sign of Jonah. Now why would he say that? Well, just as Jonah spent three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, Jesus would spend three days in the heart of the earth, meaning in that borrowed tomb. He fulfilled that sign when he rose from that tomb, when he rose from the dead, and when he walked out victorious. And then Jesus pronounced a judgment upon them. He told them that the men of Nineveh, now remember who the men of Nineveh were, Kind of like today, we, the way we would think of, of ISIS. I mean, they, they thought of these people as terrorists. They thought of them as the lowest of the low in the way that they had treated uh, the, the, the people of God. And so they would have seen this as, as something awful for him to say this. But he, he said that the men of Nineveh would testify against them in judgment. Nineveh had repented under the preaching of Jonah, but a greater than Jonah had come. And they would not hear him. He then told them that the queen of Sheba, the queen of the south, would testify against them as well. He says she had traveled a great distance at great effort and with great expense to hear the words of Solomon. But a greater than Solomon had come. And the Jews refused to listen to what he had to say. They didn't have to travel to hear him, but still they would not come to listen and when Jesus said that a Gentile queen had, had more faith than they did, it absolutely infuriated them. Listen to Jesus' statement again. A greater than Solomon is here. A greater than Solomon 
is here. That statement is still true this morning. Jesus Christ was and is greater than Solomon. Jesus is King of kings. Jesus Christ is the Lord of lords. Jesus is greater than. And so turn with me this morning to 1 Kings 10. We're going to look at verses 1 through 13. We're going to see what is being spoken of here by Jesus. What's he talking about when he talks about King Solomon? What's he talking about when he talks about the Queen of the South? What's he talking about when the Queen of Sheba? The Bible has much to say about Solomon's glory here. Much to say uh, about who he is. And yet we see that Jesus is greater. We serve a greater than Lord. 1 Kings chapter 10, verses 1 through 13. And when the queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, she came to prove him with hard questions. And she came to Jerusalem with a very great train, with camels that bear spices and with very much gold and precious stones. And when she was come to Solomon, she communed with him of all that was in her heart. And Solomon told her all her questions. There was not anything hid from the king that he told her not. And when the queen of Sheba had seen all of Solomon's wisdom and the houses that he had built and the meat of his table and the sitting of his servants and the attendants and the, of his ministers and the apparel and his cupbearers and his ascent by which he went up into the house of the Lord, there was no more spirit in her. And she said to the king, It was a true report that I heard in mine own land of thy acts and of thy wisdom. Howbeit, I believed not the words until I came and mine eyes had seen it. And behold, the half was not told me of thy wisdom and prosperity exceedeth the fame which I heard. Happy are thy men, happy are these thy servants which stand continually before thee and that hear thy wisdom. Blessed be the Lord thy God, which delighted in thee to set thee on the throne of Israel, because the Lord loved Israel forever, and therefore made he thee king to do judgment and justice. And she gave the king a hundred and twenty talents of gold and of spices, very great store and precious stones, and there came no more such abundance of spices as these which the queen of Sheba gave to the king Solomon. And the navy also of Hiram, that brought gold from afar, brought it from Ophar, great plenty of almug trees and precious stones. And the king made of the almug trees pillars for the house of the Lord and for the king's house, harps also and psalteries and for the singers. And there came no such almug trees, nor were seen unto this day. And King Solomon gave unto the queen of Sheba all of her desire, whatsoever she asked. Beside that which Solomon gave her of his royal bounty, so she turned and went to her own country, she and her servants. This is a rich dude. Man, Solomon had it all. And Jesus is greater. Jesus is greater in his ways. Now, Sheba was somewhere um, in and around present-day Ethiopia. And all this pagan queen uh, was doing here was, as she reigned in her country was, was hearing 
as her sailors and as her merchants came back and they had passed through Jerusalem, they shared of the greatness that they had seen in this man named King Solomon. All she was hearing was of the greatness of this king, of of you're not going to believe what what this man can do. You're not going to believe how wise he is. You're not going to believe his riches. You're not going to believe what he built. But more importantly, you're not going to believe how powerful his God is. And so we see that she heard of his wealth in verse 7. She heard of the great riches that flowed into the king kingdom of Solomon. 1 King 9, 28 says, And they came to Ophir, and they fetched from thence gold 420 talents, and they brought it to King Solomon. And you say, well, you know, all those biblical measurements kind of get, get confusing to me. And you say, I'm not exactly even sure what they're talking about there. Well, let me put it in terms that we can understand. That would have been 31,500 pounds of pure gold. How many of you would like to have that? Yes. That would have been worth 913 million American dollars. But it gets better. In 1 Kings 10, 14 and 15. Now the weight of the gold that came to Solomon in one year, in one year, was 603 score and six talents of gold. Beside that he had of the merchantmen and of the traffic of the spice merchants and of the kings of Arabia and of the governors of the country. That would have been 50,000 pounds worth of gold. That would have been worth $1.3 billion. 1 Kings 10 18 through 20, I want you to listen to just what was involved in Solomon's throne. Moreover, the king made a great throne of ivory and overlaid it with the best gold. The throne had six steps, and the top of the throne was round behind, and there were stays on either side of the places of the seat, and two lions stood beside the stays, and twelve lions stood there. On the one side and on the other upon the six steps, there was not the like made in any kingdom. That's just the throne that he sat on. So Jesus, though, is greater than Solomon in his wealth. He came to meet every need, whether it be physical, whether it be material, or most importantly, whether it be spiritual. He has the wealth to meet our needs. Solomon could provide meat, but Jesus can multiply loaves and fishes whenever he desires. Solomon could buy anything he desired, but Jesus can take plain old water and make the purest and most expensive wine you can imagine. Solomon sat on a throne built, provided, and upheld by man, but Jesus occupies the eternal throne, and he will never be forced off of it. But also look at verse 6. She heard of his works. She heard of his works. She, she heard of the great kingdom that, that Solomon had, had been blessed to build. She heard of the temple that he had constructed for his God. She heard of the great place that, that he had built for himself. But yet, even in that, Jesus is greater than Solomon in his works. Solomon built houses of, of stone and of wood, but Jesus is building a household of faith. Solomon laid down his riches to buy things. Jesus laid down his very life to redeem sinners. Solomon came to the end of his life and he died and he was buried with his fathers. 
Jesus died on the cross, but he got up on the third day to never return to the grave. Solomon was nothing more than a weak human being who had many failures. His power was earthly and his power was temporal. But Jesus is the supernatural, eternal Son of God. His power is eternal. It is everlasting. Solomon was limited in his power. But Jesus has all power. And he can move your mountain. He can quench your thirst. And he can save your soul. But also she heard of his wisdom. She had heard of the intellect that this man had to answer the most difficult of questions that any man or woman could bring to him. And so she came to prove him. In other words, she came to test him, to to put him to the test of, of what she had heard. Is it true that he can truly do these things? She came to have her questions answered, and he did. But yet Jesus is greater than Solomon in his wisdom. Solomon may have been wise, and he may have possessed immense knowledge, but Jesus created everything that Solomon knew about. Jesus was the creator of it. He holds all the answers to all of our questions. In fact, he is the answer. He is the answer, whatever it may be. He's the answer to every riddle. He's the answer to every problem. He's the answer to every question that you have in life. The answer is Jesus, no matter what you may think it is. They all rest and reside in him. But also she heard of his worship. That's most important. And, and that's what we see in verse, in, in, uh, in verse 1 there. Notice where the fame of Solomon was in the mind of this powerful woman. The queen of the south. The queen of Sheba. Notice where she saw the true power of Solomon coming from. What impressed her more than anything was concerning the name of the Lord. Concerning the name of the Lord. What impressed her more than his position, what impressed her more than his power, what impressed her more than his prosperity, what impressed her more than than his prestige, what what it was, was was his powerful and his personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. It was with the Lord of, of, of creation. It was, it was with the one that he went to on a daily basis to worship. She recognized that that was what was different about Solomon, is that he had a relationship with the Lord. That's what made the difference. And so when she learned that Solomon's God was the one responsible for all of his glory, she wanted to know more about the Lord. She wanted to know about this connection that Solomon had with his God that was unlike anyone else's. History says that Solomon had a covered walkway that connected the palace with the house of God because he went there so often. And she watched him worship and and sacrifices that he made to the God that that he worshipped. And it was amazing to her. 1 Kings 8, 63, and Solomon offered a sacrifice of peace offerings which he offered unto the Lord two and twenty thousand oxen and a hundred and twenty thousand sheep. And so the king and all the children of Israel dedicated the house of the Lord, the immense sacrifices that he made to his God. But also in 1 Kings 9, 25, and three times in a year did Solomon offer burnt offerings and peace offerings upon the altar, which he built unto the Lord. And he burnt incense unto the altar that was before the Lord. So he finished the house. He had a relationship 
with God. And she was interested in the God of Solomon. But Jesus is greater than Solomon even in his worship. Solomon may have known how to go into the temple and to make sacrifice. But Jesus knows how to take lost sinners and how to save them by his grace and bring them into the presence of God. We worship an eternal God. We worship a living God. Jesus reconciles us to God. He allows those who were separated from God by their sins to enter into the very presence of God. We, because of Christ, can enter now into the holy of holies because he resides within us. But also, Jesus is greater in his wealth. Jesus is greater in his wealth. When the Queen of Sheba arrived at Jerusalem, she was astonished at the greatness of the king's wealth. And she saw his possessions. She saw great possessions here. And she saw his house and she saw this wealth. But Jesus is greater than Solomon in his possessions. He owns it all. And he can take care of us as people. There is no shortage when it comes to the Lord. But also in verse 5 she saw his provisions. It required massive amounts of food to feed all those who came to the table of the king. 1 Kings 4, 22 and 23, and Solomon's provisions for one day was 30 measures of fine flour and three score measures of meal and 10 fat oxen and 20 oxen out of the pasture and 100 sheep besides harts and roebucks and fallow deer and fatted fowl. That's a lot of food. And he had to do that to provide for just the people who came to his table. But Jesus is greater than Solomon in his provisions because not only does He have it all, but he is willing to share it all with those of us who come to his table. Philippians 4, 19. But my God shall supply all your need according to the riches and glory by Jesus Christ. Psalm 37, 25. I love this verse. I've been young and now I'm old, and yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. He meets our need. Solomon had enough at his table to feed all those who ate there, and perhaps that was several hundred uh, on, a, on a daily basis of those who, who actually served the king and would, would come to his table. But the Lord Jesus has enough to give all of his children their daily bread. That's why we pray to him, because he is the one who can provide. But also verse 5, she saw his people. She watched his servants and they ministered to him. And she noticed how they sat in his presence listening to his voice. And she noticed how... Others hastily carried out the wishes of the king, and they they did it with joy. She was amazed because they they received joy from worshiping him, from serving him, and and from meeting his needs. But Jesus is greater than Solomon and and his people. His people love him, and they want to be around him and to hear his word and to do his bidding. Those who know him and love him will desire to serve him. His children long to join him in the work that he is doing around them. And why do they love him? Why do we, the children of God, love the Lord? Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 9. And you hath he quickened who were dead in your trespasses and sins, wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversations in time past, in the love of, in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. 
but God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us. Even when we were dead in sins, hath he quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved, and he hath raised us together and made us to sit upon the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come that he might shew the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. When the queen of Sheba saw the riches of King Solomon, she was astonished. She said, there is nobody like you. Solomon, there is nobody like you. But I want to remind you this morning that there is a greater than Solomon among us again today. And his name is Jesus. But then thirdly and lastly, Jesus is greater in his wonder. The queen of Sheba had heard about Solomon, but she didn't believe it until she had seen it for herself, until she saw it with her own two eyes. She saw when she came to Solomon all that had been said about him, and it left her dumbfounded, astonished, amazed. And we see first her personal discovery. Her trip to Jerusalem led her to some personal conclusions. First, he was wealthier than she had heard. She got more from him than she gave him, and she didn't think that would be possible. And so it is with Jesus. I don't know about you, but I have received far more from Jesus Christ than I could ever return to him. But also, he was wiser than she had heard. He was able to answer every question, every, every riddle. It was no, no concern to him. He, he could answer it with, with ease. But Jesus is even greater. Jesus has given meaning to life, and it all makes sense because of him. But also, he was more wonderful than she had heard. She concluded that she hadn't heard even the half of the glory and the greatness of King Solomon. Not even the half, she says. And no matter what you have heard about Christ, no matter what you have heard about his greatness, we can never exhaust the description of his glory and of his power and of his wonder. Every person who has ever heard about Jesus Christ has to respond after coming into relationship with Jesus with the same echo as the Queen of Sheba discovered. He will always give you back far more than you give up. He will reveal to you the answers to the riddles and to the problems of life. He will always provide to you far more glorious things than anyone could ever articulate. And he will leave you astonished and astounded and amazed. Everyone who told me about Jesus when I was younger, before I came to Christ, misled me because he was far better than they could ever describe. He was far greater in my life than they could have ever tried to explain to me. The half was not told to me of the glory and the grace of my Savior. But also, we see her profound declaration. She had some things to say to Solomon about what she saw. First, about regarding his servants, she commended him of the happy nature of his servants, of, of the joy that they seemed to get from having the opportunity to serve, but also regarding his Savior, most importantly. She commented on the greatness of Solomon's Lord. 
She bragged on the goodness and she bragged on, on his love. She, she was convinced that there was nobody like Solomon. But even more importantly, she had been convinced that there was no one like Solomon's God. The one who he received his glory and greatness from was the one who is glorious and great in heaven. So one of the reasons that I can say a greater than Solomon is here is because those of us who know him as Savior and Lord, those of us who know Jesus Christ as the King of our life, the Lord of our life, we know the happiness that it brings. We know the joy that he brings into our hearts and into our lives. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. He does more in our lives than we could have ever imagined before we came into relationship with him. He brings more joy. He brings more happiness. He brings more fulfillment. And those of us who know him, who is greater than Solomon, are those who like to brag on him. Those of us who like to brag on the Father. I've said this before, but I know that if I ask you as a parent or as a grandparent to talk about your kids or your grandkids, you're going to have no problem doing that because you think they're the greatest, you think they're the most glorious thing uh, ever. And so we don't have problems talking about our kids and our grandkids because we're proud of them. Well, that should be the same way that we speak of our Lord, but oh, so much greater because of who he is and all that he has done. We should desire to speak of our Lord and his greatness and, and to declare him to the world around us. Do you know the one who is greater than Solomon this morning? That's the most important question that you could ask before you leave this place today. Do you know this one who is greater? If you do, then you know why he is greater than Solomon. Why he is greater than anyone who has ever lived, no matter who they may be or what they may have accomplished. He is greater because he is God. He is the creator of all things. If you know him, I challenge you to fall before him and worship him today. But if you do not know him, if you do not know him as Lord and Savior, if you do not know the greatness of our Lord, if, if that's kind of a, a foreign concept to you this morning, I invite you to come. And as all of us who had, had to do, who, uh, all of us are sinners, we had to come before the Lord, we had to repent of our sins, that's something you're going to need to do today. You're going to need to recognize you're lost. You can't be saved until you recognize that you're lost. And so this morning you need to recognize your sinful condition and you need to come to Christ this morning and you need to repent of that sin and you need to by grace accept his offer of forgiveness, his offer of grace, you receiving what you do not deserve. That's grace. And you need that this morning. And so as our musicians come at this time, what decision do you need to make today? How do you need to respond to him today? Do you need to be saved? Do you need to come and thank him for what he has done? Do you need to join this church? How do you need to respond to him as we sing? Lord, Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for the fact that you are greater than. No matter whose name we put in there, you are greater than. And Lord, your power is greater. Your glory is greater. And Lord, your ability to save, your ability to uh, lift us out of the mire of this life is greater than. And so, Lord, this morning I recognize that we've got some folks here today and they're lost and they need a relationship with you and I pray they would come. Others just need to come to this altar and they need to pray for a loved one. Some need to come to this place and they need to say, you know what, this, is, this has been my church home, but I need to make that an official thing. I need to begin to do the work you've called me to do amongst these people. And so, Lord, I pray they'd come today and, and, and unite with this church family. Lord, you know the, the needs on every heart, and I pray that you would move in a powerful way in the coming moments. Of course, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we stand and as we sing, come. <laughs>